Hi, welcome to Preach It, Season 2, Episode 9. I'm your host, Grant Hoover. Today, I just wanted to read a quick devotional, and this is from the devotional called The Very Next Thing, and it's by Mark Hall. So, This is the Sunday Prelude. It says, I recently watched a video of Secretariat, the fastest racehorse that ever lived, win the 1973 Triple Crown in the Belmont Stakes. He won by 31 lengths. That means they could have fit 31 horses between Secretariat and the second place horse. It's the only time I remember seeing the finish line camera hand back to find the rest of the field after the winner crossed. After all these years, Secretariat still holds the record time for the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, Preakness, and the Belmont Stakes, all three legs of the Triple Crown. As inspiring as it was to watch Secretariat break the track record by an astonishing 2.6 seconds. The video didn't show what happened first. Right before the start of any race, of any horse race, track hands coax the giant animals into tight little metal chutes that appear to be about three feet wide. Their jockeys are mounted, trying to keep the horse calm, and you can feel the tension build up as the horses step in place and snap their heads up and down. They have blinders fastened around their eyes, so they will look straight ahead. They fidget and fuss as the handlers close the gate behind them, and the horses bang against the metal. In the instant, the front gates open. Those massive horses explode out of the church, out of the, out of the chutes. It is so violent that it looks like the gates have hidden catapults. The horses are so well trained that they look sculpted. As, the, as they strain toward top speed, they look like a sheer layer of fur wrapped around the most exquisitely developed physical bodies on the planet. The thunder of their hooves and the chorus of, of their and the chorus of their snorts combines to sound like a train roaring down the tracks. And that's when I think of the church. When I see Secretariat, I see what the Church of Jesus Christ can look like. I see packing people into worship in small groups, reminding them why they're here, training them to do what they're designed to do, getting them excited about God's will, and unleashing them on the world. I don't want to sound jaded or tired. I know you've heard descriptions of how the church should look countless times before, and that's part of our struggle. We should never tire of hearing and believing that our past is forgiven, that God has made us a new creation, and that He can work in our weakness. We should never stop believing that we are God's saints in this world. 
his change agents, his pride and joy. We should never gloss over the beauty and the and power of the finest develop, developed body on the planet, the body of Christ. But we act as if we do tire of it. We act as if we have drowned in our cliches. That we really don't know what to do when we hear that we should get out there and be on fire for God, give everything to Him, lay our lives down, lay our lives at His feet, do big things for God. It's like every week we're led into our shoots in the starting gate. We enjoy stirring music and inspiring message. We're ready to go anywhere and do anything, and then the gate opens. But instead of bolting down the track, it's as if we're all released into a giant open field. We give it everything we've got and run as hard as we can towards somewhere, anywhere, or nowhere in general. Where are we going? No one has any idea. It would be like watching a gate full of thoroughbreds take off and run only to crisscross and collide with each other. They run fast. They run as fast as they can bang, as they can, and bang into each other until they slowly realize they're not sure where they're supposed to go or what they're supposed to do. And all you have left is a big field of horses, just like every other big field of horses. That's not God's design for us. I'm not saying that he has a specific lane for our lives, and that if we get out of that lane, then we're out of his will. God gives us great freedom to live and to serve him. Yet too many of us perpetually wonder to ourselves, what if I truly abandoned myself to Jesus and threw myself onto the God who promises not to fail me? What if I stopped looking to myself, to other people, and to this world for fulfillment? Fulfillment. What if I gave everything? This is the deepest heart's cry of most believers. So it's a great place to start. And just a little note on one of these pages. It says, We should never tire of hearing and believing that our past is forgiven. So, there are a few verses that go along with the devotionals for this week. So, the first one is 1 Samuel 17, 1-54. And that says, now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Soko and Ezekah in Enfisdamon, and Saul and the men of Israel were gathered 
and encamped in the valley of Ella, and drew in the line of battle against the Philistines, and the Philistines stood on the mountains, and on the other side, and then on one side, and the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and the Israel, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was five thousand shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung around his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed six hundred shekels of iron. And his sh shield bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come, and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, "I defy the ranks of Israel this day." Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all of it and all Israel heard these words of the Philist of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now David was the son of an Ephraite of Bethlehem in Judah, named Jesse, who had eight sons. In the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in his in years. The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle, and the names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and next to him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For forty days, the Philistine came forward and took his stand morning and evening, and Jesse said to David his son, Take for your brothers an ephah of the parched grain, and these ten loaves, and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers. Also, take these ten cheeses to the commander of their thousand. See if your brothers are well, and bring some token from them. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment 
as the host was going out to the battle, lying shouting the war cry. And Israel, the Philistines, drew up for battle, army against army, and David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage, and ran to the ranks, and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines, and spoke the same words as before, and David heard him. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him, and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches, and will give him him, and will give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. And David was, and David said to the men who stood before, who stood by him, What shall be done? What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine? And takes away the reproach from Israel. For who is the Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way. So shall it be done to the man who kills him. Now Eliab was now his elder brother heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail. Because of him, your servant will go out and fight this, fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear, and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him, and struck him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and struck him, and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord will be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor 
and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them on. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His, sl his sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield-bearer in front of him. And when the Philistines... And when the Philistine looked and saw David, his disdain, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give you, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air, and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down, and cut off your head, and I will give you the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with a sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine arose, and came and drew nearer to meet David. David ran quickly toward David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine, and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran, and stood over the Philistine, and took his sword, and drew it out of his sheath, and killed him, and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout, and pursued the Philistine as far as Gath. And the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from the from Cherim as far as Gath and Ekron. <coughs> Sorry. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their camp, and David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. But he put his armor in his tent. And that was verse 54. The other verses were Acts 1 through 26, but I just wanted to go and wrap this up. So, thank you for listening. And when you are hearing this, I'm actually on a trip. So, thank you for listening, and that'll be all.